flat line against Philly. The 76ers hand to the Charlotte Hornets the worst loss in franchise history. Beep, Does beep. this type of loss cause for significant changes and soon? We'll get beep, to beep. it right away. Locked on Hornets coming up soon. Beep. You are Locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free. We are available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's Doug Branson. You can find him on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, Twitter, Doug Branson, LOH. And you can find me on WFNZ Sports Radio, 92.7 FM, every weekday with Wes and Walker from 12 to 3 p.m. So in that show that we're going to come up with like 12 to 3, we're going to try to talk a little bit about the positivity of the Panthers winning a game this weekend. We're going to try to talk a little bit of what I thought might be a positive weekend for the Hornets, like maybe getting a win against the Pelicans at the end of that game. They were close, but Mm -hmm. eventually the Pelicans separated themselves. There was quite the beatdown that they suffered, though, uh, Doug. Charlotte suffered a big old beatdown. To Philly on Saturday, they lost 135 to 82. And with that 50 point deficit comes the worst loss in franchise history. 53. Don't cheat them. Don't cheat the the three points because 50 was the previous record against, I believe, the Bucks Mm -hmm. in 2000, which is amazing, by the way, that they have that all of those feudal years in the orange and blue that this franchise did not suffer a worse loss than the than the 50-point loss in 2000. That's pretty incredible, and it's even more incredible that this version of the Hornets uh, beats that record. Well, and, and so, yes, 53 to be exact. 50 if you just want to make it a round number and sound real nice, <laughs> but 53, yes, that is correct. And this is what I want to do to put it in perspective, Doug. I was talking to you about this. So I was looking at the point differential for the Hornets just a couple of days ago, and it was before the Pelicans game. The point differential for the Hornets, it was at minus seven and a half, which is not good. It's the third worst in the Eastern Conference. And then against the Pelicans, it was only a single digit deficit that they suffered in that loss. So, okay, whatever. Now it's at minus nine and a half. So with 24 games, it's it's small enough to where it's not crazy to see a big impact, a big swing in what is an overarching stat. But a two-point swing for the worse because of a 53-point loss, yeah, I, it, it goes to show just how bad it was here, Doug. And the big story, obviously, is that the injury list that was already absurdly long grew even longer <laughs> because Gordon Hayward was a late scratch from this game with a uh, stomach virus. And so McGowan starts, and and they give a few more minutes to NSJ, but but that that injury alone was not why they suffered this defeat. This defeat was coming in some form because they don't have Mark Williams. So Nick Richards starts. Nathan Mensah, the the recent two way deal that they that they gave out and and released Teo Maladone to essentially call him up from the Greensboro Swarm. You know, it's just no shot against Joel Embiid. 
and, and they went and Philly knew it, and they went to Joel Embiid immediately and often, and he ends the game 42 points, 78% shooting, 15 rebounds, three assists, one steal, two blocks. Uh, Nick Richards couldn't do anything with him. I'm not sure that Mark Williams would have been able to do all that much with Embiid, who I felt like was treating the game sort of like a training ground, like he was shooting a lot of jump shots. It was just essentially a tune-up for uh, this Philadelphia 76ers team uh, that is going places this season. If, If the Hornets were going to suffer the worst loss in franchise history, it was going to come at the hands of Philadelphia. They have been threatening this with the Hornets for years. They, they they just particularly, I think the way they play and the size that they have, the the way they play defense across the board, they were always threatening to do this against the Hornets. And, and they just, all of the perfect storm of things happened with injuries and different things to create this environment. All right. So I'm glad you brought up Joel Embiid because, I mean, one, how could you not with him scoring 42 but Philadelphia, they've played six games in the month of December. Every single one of those games have been against teams in the Eastern Conference that are currently not even in the play-in. So December December 6th, they played Washington, Atlanta, Washington, Detroit, Detroit, Charlotte. Joel yeah. Embiid, I was listening to some, you know, it's like Zach Lowe and National Podcast, and I think it was in passing Zach mentioned that, Joel Embiid is just beating up on bad teams right now. Oh boy, well, he was beating he... up on the Hornets. He was beating up on Hornets players. We should say that that not only was the yes. injury list long going in, he smacked. Well, Terry Rozier ran into Embiid's elbow and was forced to miss time. And then, but he did like smack Ish Smith across the face, which I, I will say gave us one of the most artful pictures I've ever seen in Hornets history, where the camera cuts to the Hornets bench. Ish Smith gives a double thumbs up mm-hmm. as he has gauze sticking out of his. Blood bloody nose like what picture more encapsulates what the Hornets have been dealing with not only this season but the past couple of seasons than that image right there so thank Uh, you Joel for summing it up for us usually people like to go with the Space Jam meme or GIF when you have all of the Looney Tunes that are either in some kind of iron lung they're you know basically their whole body is in a cast people love going with that one to describe the Hornets this one is going to overtake that as the most popular meme slash GIF GIF however you want to pronounce it it's going to be the most popular one to describe the hornets but going back to joel and bead joel and bead right now is averaging 40 points in those six games he's just beating up on bad teams but he's taking advantage of it saying no he took that jason tatum message to heart just because it's a monday against charlotte on league pass it doesn't mean that you take the day off he's taking that to charlotte detroit washington so he's averaging 40 12.8 rebounds Two blocks, four assists, 11 free throw attempts per game, 92% on those free throw attempts. Also, 40% from three, 62 from the field. Um, th- those numbers, <clears throat> they don't make sense to me. Those numbers That's a do dollar. not. You said and what? I, and I owe a dollar because I interrupted you. You said, oh, a dollar. <laughs> yes. Dollar. The phlegm bucket. Dollar to the phlegm bucket. Yes. Thank you. And I that. bought a hat. Uh, I bought a phlegm bucket hat. It's on the way. It's not here yet, but I did buy a, a bucket hat so that we can uh, keep the dollars in there. But you owe a dollar, and I do as well. Here All we that to say, Joel Embiid destroyed the Charlotte Hornets and poor Nathan Mensa. How about Mensa coming in and your first two games as an NBA center? First ever ones are against Jonas Valanciunas and Joel Embiid back to back. Yeah, that's going to call for a minus 50 almost on the box score. That's just how it's going to be.
he did score his first points, so I don't know if Rick Carlisle was around to grab that game ball. But I don't care 42 points in three quarters, whatever, Joel Embiid. The game ball goes to Nathan Mensah because he scored his first ever NBA points off of a J.T. Thor air ball that fell right into his hands and nobody bothered to uh, guard the layup. But, I mean, look, the Sixers' defense was incredible. Uh, you look across this box score, and even the guys that you would depend on for scoring that that did exist – for the Hornets to utilize. Miles Bridges was 3 of 14. Brandon Miller was 4 of 16. Terry Rozier was 3 of 10. It was impossible to operate uh, normally for the Hornets to execute because they've they've been a decent offensive team this season. They're not an 82-point offensive team, uh, but just the number of bodies that weren't there and Philly's defense and Joel Embiid playing on a back-to-back. Really, if the Hornets have anyone to thank, it's the NBA for the new rest policy uh, that encourages players like Joel Embiid to play on the back-to-back. This would normally have been a game where he sits and the Hornets you know, have to game plan against Tobias Harris uh, and Tyrese Maxey, but no, um, they get smacked by Embiid. One other funny uh, note from this box score. So 42 points for Embiid. Maxi had five threes. He had 21 points. Guys like off the bench. Uh, let's see. Jaden had a lot of. Jaden Springer had a lot of points. Kelly Oubre gets 12 on five of 10 shooting. But I'm sorry, 20. Uh, no, 12. Yeah, on five of 10 shooting. So, but here's the funniest box score note. You ready for this? I'm ready. Nick Batum, 20 minutes. Yeah. Three points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's. That's the Nick. That's the Nick we know. Yeah. Poor Nick Batum. Um, Three points. Um, yeah. I, th- this is the injury update, by the way. Like, it, it was it was always going to be terrible, but you're right. Gordon Hayward was a late scratch in this one because of the stomach virus. And so here were the players that were out. Terry Rozier was even on the injury report. Um, he's on Why the injury not? report now going into Toronto. So now he's got a, a thumb problem. He's probable... But we know designations mean nothing with this Hornets team. So Gordon Hayward out, PJ Washington out, Mark Williams out, Lamella Ball out, Cody Martin, Frank Nilakina. They've been out, so it's not nearly as. Although you know, Frank Frank practiced, uh, Frank yeah. did practice with the Greensboro Swarm. I guess the Greensboro Swarm were in Charlotte. I feel like this was like a National Guard call up. Like the war, the war effort at this point is going so poorly that they have the green, the entire Greensboro squad just ready to go in Charlotte and Frank practice with the team. So that is, if you want a little tiny silver lining, there is a player that has not played for the Hornets all season that may be available soon. Well, and and the last the last weird box score stat. How about this? Every single player. That checked into the game, Doug, made a field goal for Charlotte. <laughs> hey. Usually, usually that is a positive trait. Usually that is something that happens when you're blowing a team out so much that you actually get everybody in there and everybody's contributing. Every single player that checked in recorded one field goal. Amari Bailey, Leaky Black, they each had one apiece. JT Thor was one of eight. Mensa was one of three. And yeah, everybody else scored. So the injuries, they're just, just I mean... I don't know what to do here, Doug. It's happened, what, the last couple of seasons that they've suffered injuries at a crazy rate to a point where I I know other teams have had lots of injuries. I get it. I would make the blind bet that the injuries, both in volume and to key rotation pieces, probably have as big of an impact with this squad as any other team. And maybe that's just because there's no margin for error anyway, but also it's because they're experiencing a lot of injuries. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know what to I don't know what to do about it either. I mean, I I don't think that there's any like 
answer that exists within this plane of existence. I think they've got to start looking at some, you know, ethereal, mystical, exorcist-type options. I mean, I think they should get rid of the training staff, hire a new training staff, but also hire a uh, a hex team that just, like, you know, 24-7 burning incense inside uh, the Spectrum Center. You know, they don't need Rex Chapman. They need Hex Chapman at this point. <laughs> I mean... They, they- they- <laughs> they do. They need Hex Chapman. They need uh we we need some Marcus Sage to come in. <laughs> Marcus Sage just, you know, blessing this team, making sure they get rid of all of the bad spirits. They leave Spectrum Center. Hex Chapman, Marcus Sage, could they come back to the arena and just help us out? We we need we need some more players here too. Maybe we can think of some more players. This is what we do best. We can think of some other figures in basketball history to come aboard, help us out figure out how we don't have any more injuries going forward, and we can continue that. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. So it was an awful loss. Philly beats them by 53, as you were one to point out. Does this call for significant change? That's still to come on Locked On Hornets. Before we get to that, does it call for significant change? I do want to mention... Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across both football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. And if you want to stay here in Charlotte, how about the winning Carolina Panthers this weekend? Lots of Chuba Hubbard. They're not even giving the ball to Miles Sanders that much. So if you wanted to pick more than for rushing yards, more than for rushing attempts, uh, pick that alongside maybe Brandon Miller three-point attempts, maybe just Brandon Miller points overall. You can go to Terry Rogier with him being on a Terry, Terry Rogier. Get it? Oh you can go with those combo projections. I went there. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted and prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy go to prizepicks.com right now and then you can use code locked on nba that's code locked on nba at prizepicks.com and you can also download the app more locked on hornets ahead All right, so I'm, I'm still thinking along the lines here of what they need. It, it, there needs to be some sort of exorcism to exorcise the demons away from the spec. And so, like, there was a priest Lauderdale back in the day. <laughs> Maybe I mean, you're could be someone that helps the, us out. I don't know the obscure the obscure ball players that you have in your brain um, is is incredible. No, they don't. They don't need Andrew Wiggins. They need Andrew Wiggins. At this point, yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need Mitch Cupjack. They need Witch Cupjack. Okay. I mean, that's where we are at this point. Oh, I mean, wh- casting wh- spells. Um, yeah, Witch Cupjack, uh, Priest Lauderdale. We, we need everybody to come help us out. So hopefully, yeah, Witch Cupjack. And maybe you get rid of Mitch, but you go find his long lost sister, Witch Cupjack, to come run the team. That's what we want because the injuries are so bad. And now what people are doing here, Doug, is after this loss, 
when you lose by 50, when you suffer the worst loss in franchise history, there are going to be a lot of people calling for change and change right now. Can't happen soon enough. My timeline looked like this from Hornets Twitter, from Hornets fans to all sorts of people on my timeline were telling me that they needed to get rid of Steve Clifford. Some people were defending him. I will say that it was about 50 50, at least on my timeline where, hey, what do you expect Steve to do? This is a bad makeup. Um, oh, wait, you, you have to get rid of the head coach and you have to do it sooner because the message just isn't relaying anymore. So there are both sides of the fence there. Hey, you got to get rid of Mitch Kupchak. Hey, you got to trade Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, uh, Miles Bridges. Can you get him to agree to a trade because he has right to first refusal? So could you trade him um, to or he he gets to pick where he wants to go? Trade, do something right. Like it's the yeah, it's what we've been messaging all this time. So how significant is this loss to the point where significant changes need to come off the heels of it, Doug? <laughs> There's no message that any person can deliver to a team that is constructed such that they don't have NBA-level talent across the board to throw at one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Like There's no, there's no rah-rah that you can tell them before the game that's going to make up for the fact that Nathan Mensah – and I say this with respect. Like it's, I'm excited for him that he got his first NBA points – and and that he's out there giving it uh, giving it the best effort, but that's he's not an NBA level center right now. It's his and second so- game, Doug. He played his second game against Joel Embiid. Uh, think about all the guys that were in. You had four out of your top seven out with injuries against Philly. Leaky gets seven minutes. Ish Smith is out here getting almost twenty after deciding to go hit the links this offseason. Yeah. Nick Smith Jr. is getting twenty six minutes, which we like Nick Smith Jr. a lot. But clearly, he's not getting 26 minutes on a normal night. Part of that's because of the beatdown. Part of it's because where else are they going to go to? There's just too many injuries to go to. Yeah, this game was for all the people that are like, play the young guys, play the young guys. Like, this is what happens when you play guys that are like super inexperienced and not ready for NBA level play. You're going to run up against not just the Phillies of the world, but even your mid-level teams and like the Pelicans and stuff. And it's it's all going to break down because what you need to win ball games in the NBA is is experience is talent that has been you know honed through experience and so you know that's that's what the hornets are facing now they have to play some of these guys and and i feel i feel bad for brandon in this game because i feel like it's what we always say you want to see your your best young players play with other good players so that you can get the best out of them. I mean, part of the reason why, you know, he had the turnovers that he did in this game, part of the reason why he had a bad shooting night is because Philly could really focus on the the only three guys that were dependable scorers. They really focused on those guys and took them away. And so, you know, that that's the difficult part about this. But back to Clifford, like, look, I think they should honestly. I I think they should mercifully let Clifford go. <laughs> like you know, I don't. Even think, it's not about him. It's not about a message not being delivered at this point. It's about like I don't think there's anything that he can personally do to make the situation any better. But in terms of the front office, yeah, I mean, I think it's been time for a change there. And and I don't know if being ten games under five hundred, which I always think is like a little bit of a psychological, like uh oh, this season is is super in trouble. Maybe time for a change, and then and then that happening on the back of a fifty three point loss, which look we understand the context of because we pay close attention, but casual fans who are making decisions about where to put their money, do I go to a 
movie? Do I go to a Hornets game? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know that they understand the full context of like the injury piece of this. So they just look at a team that just lost a game by 53 points and go, well, this team stinks. This team's got no shot. I don't want to take my kids to go see that. So we'll go do something else. So I think the, yeah. the franchise has to recognize that. If, the, if those kinds of losses keep piling up, what kind of psychological damage is that doing to an all, a fan base that's already sort of teetering on like, meh, whatever. So, yeah, I think th- there, there needs to be some recognition that, hey, we need to put out there that we're pushing this thing in the right direction and we understand that it's been going in the wrong direction for a while now. And go ahead, look, if you, if you really think that this season is functionally over, that means that you should be working to move players like Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier at the deadline. And really the question that Schnall and Plotkin have to ask themselves is, do you want to trust that job to Mitch Kupchak, who has not really been able to pull off significant deals since he's been here in Charlotte, or do you want to find somebody else to carry that water? So I, the, the Brandon Miller aspect of this has altered my way of thinking about Gordon Hayward, and maybe not even so much altered it to a, a means to what I have at with Gordon at the end of the, the idea of trading him. But So if you want to trade Gordon Hayward, then you have to think of the $30 million. We bring this up a lot. How mu- how valuable is that compared to what kind of asset you could get in return as long as you don't take on longer money, which we don't want. We want free cap space to try to figure out the right guys to put alongside LaMelo and Brandon. But, Doug, what's interesting to me is Brandon has been shooting the absolute hell out of the basketball for the last, I mean, really all season. But I'm looking at his games, and he didn't shoot under – uh, 37% from three-point range until this game against Philly. This game against Philly just so happens to coincide that uh, I mean, with a game that Gordon Hayward doesn't play. One of the things we thought about with Brandon Miller coming into this situation was that he didn't have a ton of responsibility. This is somebody that was not called to start right away. And so he, you, could, you could ease him in. You could bring him off of the bench. And then when it was clear that he needed to play more minutes, Steve Clifford did exactly that. He started to give him more minutes, but you don't need to rely on him nearly as much. There's a lot of injuries that the Hornets suffered, but also Gordon Hayward is a guy that plays a very similar position. You are talking about them doing a lot of the same things with the basketball in their hands. And now you have to rely a little more so on Brandon Miller when Gordon Hayward is out. Does the Gordon Hayward angle the way that it affects Brandon alter the way you want to trade him or not. Because if you put all of this responsibility on Brandon, now that's a different idea. Maybe you just want to throw him to the wolves right away. Maybe that's what happens. You free up a lot of minutes for him. That's great. But I have to imagine that with all that responsibility, with you being the guy, as you just mentioned, Philly getting to defend him and not have to worry about nearly anybody else because it's Miles, it's Terry, it's Brandon, and then I'm good. I ain't got to worry about anybody else because they're all injured. They're all out with a stomach virus or a shoulder injury or an ankle injury, whatever. So with Brandon being here still, how much do we care about having Gordon here, at least for this season, and then allowing Brandon to you know, take that next step up naturally in his sophomore season in the NBA? Uh, if Hayward had two years left on his deal, I'd, I'd I'd feel you on that. I mean, this is the last opportunity for them to, you know, extricate any kind of value from uh, what has been a disappointing, just tenure here in Charlotte and and a contract that has been disappointing. So, I I think you you have, it's always you're always balancing these things, right? You're always like, mm-hmm. all right, well, it's good, it's bad, it's a little bit of both, you know. But I I think the if 
they can truly get some value for Gordon Hayward, then I, I think that would be the right move, even if it does, you know, in the short term. Because I think Brandon Miller, the kid is all right. <laughs> He's going to be all right. This, he, his confidence is fine. You know, even if he has a couple of more bad shooting nights, you know, throughout the rest of the season, th- this kid's fine. And and he and I, and I think just more experience for him. He he's so smart that I, again I don't think that you know that's going to really impact him as much as it would a typical rookies. If if he truly is not a typical rookie, then I think he'll be fine without Gordon Hayward. Yeah, and also just kind of talking about X's and O's with this sort of thing. You know, the the two point percentage for Gordon it's at forty six percent there. Excuse me for Brandon Miller it's at forty six percent. And I do wonder with with other ball handlers, Brandon gets to be the guy off ball come off screens, get ready to shoot, and then pick his spots when he wants to get into that mid-range and when he does want to get closer to the rim. But the more ball handlers you take away from Brandon Miller, the more you kind of have to ask him to do that stuff that he's not very good at now, which honestly could be good, right? Like, I'm not even saying it's bad. It's all about what you think of Brandon, you know, coming along nicely. Do you you want him to be someone that does settle for that mid-range shot right now? Because they're, they're still trying to win games. They still are only two and a half games back of the play-in. I don't think they're going to get there. I'm telling you what Steve Clifford and this team, what their goal is still going to be. They're still going to try to make the play-in. And so I wonder just some of the thought process there. But new ownership, how soon do you turn the page? How soon do you play for next year and beyond? And how much are you still trying to go after it this season? Because you are in this weird limbo of guys coming back. When they come back, they're going to be too good to just completely give up on the season unless you decide to make it happen for them like it's it's a weird situation man i and we knew that coming in and it's only gotten weirder with all the injuries and with the record that's taking place look look, if you can trade gordon hayward right now for some of those crystals you know people are like really into crystals and they say that that, those can like sort of turn your fortune you could manifest Mm -hmm. things like if you can trade him for like a truckload of crystals then I think, or even like a truckload of those little crystal sandwiches. I think you do it at this point because those would at least yep. make you, at least you could eat your feelings at that point. You know, so I, I just think you got to do it. Well, and you need some shooting, but instead of Wardell Curry, we need Wardlock Curry to come in and help <laughs> us out. Just bring us some magic, sprinkle a little of that magic on the ankles, the some shoulders. Some of that leaky black magic. The knee. <laughs> no, we need all of it. All the type of magic that you have, we would love to get it. All right, speaking of magic, we have more. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll give you some more of our finishing thoughts and discuss maybe if it's time for a change, not only on the roster, but also the coaching staff. That's still to come in the last segment of Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins and if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. Player props, over-unders, even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. And again, the NBA, it's rolling on FanDuel as well. We use FanDuel when we do go to bet the buzz. We're going to do it again at some point. They have a game against Toronto. That game against Toronto is tonight, 6.30 tip on the road. Do we have a line on that game, Doug? I don't have a line on that, but I do have a line on regular season wins. If you want to still get into that battle, you can right now. You can go... 
Uh, Hornets plus 470 for 30 regular season wins, if you want. Now, if you want to get crazy and you and, and you buy into Clifford's argument that the East is not very good and you're not going to necessarily need like 45 wins to get into the playoffs, you could you maybe even like sneak in there with like somewhere in between 35, 40. Say you wanted to go 35 wins for the Charlotte Ooh. Hornets, that there's another Steve Clifford, his third sort of back half miracle comeback. If he's got one of those left in him, you can get the Hornets right now, 35 wins, plus 1,300. On 100 bucks, that's 1,200 big ones you right. secure if you believe All that right. Steve Clifford has the magic. You believers, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can continue with the NBA season. Also the NFL, though, multiple store, uh, sports. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. More Locked On Hornets ahead. Time for a change on the roster. People wanted to see Terry Rogier. We, we, we focus a lot more on Gordon Hayward. I think it, I don't know that I think he's the more interesting trade piece with this team, but Terry could be that guy too, despite him helping us out, being the grown up this season, you know, especially in half court, making so much development as a combo guard to a point guard. It, it'll be sad to see any of these guys go. And, you know, we'll see what happens. What about Steve Clifford, though, right? Because you said you feel like they should release Steve for himself (laughs) save him for his own mental health (laughs) um do we think the message is wasting away is it one of those situations here doug where you have a coach that might be good might be smart um but the players just aren't carrying his message out anymore i mean i guess we can literally see they're not playing good defense we literally see steve clifford preach to us and we know he's preaching the same thing to those guys behind closed doors and doing it in the locker room and yet we still see bad defense this game is a little tougher because of all the injuries i I, you can't hold it too much against steve but I, i just don't know what kind of difference it would make this season it really would just be to get ahead of the curve next year right and so it is it is it better to get ahead of the curve? Whoever is your assistant GM or assistant coach, they can step up in an interim role and then you can, you know, start your search a little earlier, I guess. Or does that actually hurt you because you might as well just keep Steve the rest of the way until you do look for another one this offseason? Yeah, I mean, unless you have a name that you feel, I don't think there's a name on this bench that makes any sense that you go, oh, well, that's that's a young, you know, up and coming coaching prospect that you know you at least get to try that guy out I mean they sort of went through that with Marlon Garnett and that was a disaster in summer league so I don't I just don't think there's another name on this bench where you go okay yeah that guy needs a head coaching shot and and you know you want to see it on an interim basis and and then make a commitment so that doesn't exist you know is there a name floating out there you know do you want to go back to the D'Antoni well and and see but but again that can wait why you and I don't know that a Dan Tony would subject himself or any like veteran coach would subject themselves to coming right. in on a, on on a midseason bed. Like that's ridiculous to me. So n- nothing makes sense about making a change on Clifford's fronts unless Clifford himself has completely lost faith in the effort, and that just doesn't seem to be in Clifford's DNA. I don't think he's a quitter. Um, so you, you know, I mean, they had you know he uh, he had to be really forced out that one year because of a medical emergency. So, you know, I just don't – I don't see that happening. So I think you stick with Clifford the rest of the year, and then but you can start your search right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you fire Steve Clifford to start looking at other options. And, you know, you probably just want to keep that on the down low. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I feel like Ronald Norad, if he was on this squad, you talk about the young up and comer. We do this so often in the NFL. Who's the next Sean McVay, the next Mm -hmm. offensive genius that is going to become somebody that can bring their team to a double digit win season or a 50 win season in year one and then get to the championship year two or get to a deep playoff run in year two. Ronald Norad would have been that guy, in my opinion. He's still only 33, but they don't have that guy to your point. Like even a Jay Triano, if you want to go the exact opposite, a retread, but someone that has had success being a head coach before and is still considered a bright mind. Triano's not even on this roster. Ty Corbin is here. I think he was gone for a little while and then came back to the staff and he used to be a head coach. But all of that makes sense to what you said. It does to me. The I, I think Steve Clifford, you roll with him the rest of the year, and then you know you figure out what to do with uh, whoever your next head coach is going to be. You're going to clean house at the same time too, right? Like I, we're having the there's so many NFL comparisons, especially with the Carolina Panthers in town. It, they have not fired Scott Fitterer, but they did fire Frank Reich on what was like the shortest and second shortest NFL tenure as a head coach ever. But people are scared that they're going to keep Scott Fitterer. I wonder if it makes more sense, too, for the Hornets to just go in a different direction. Do they hire your GM first? Because if you fire the coach now, what good does it do to get a leg up on the search if you want your GM to be the one making this call and you don't have your new GM in place yet? So then you just don't make up any ground. What happens is you fire your coach and then you wait till the end of the season to fire Mitch Kupchak and then whoever the GM is, then he's getting the same amount of time as everybody else. It it looks like you got to ride this thing out. And then it feels like the the changes, the real changes from new ownership will come about. That's what I expect. Yeah, look, they don't need a Jason Tatum. They need a Seance Tatum at this point. <laughs> Seance Tatum. <laughs> it's time to end the show. We need to go. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. As you do every day, we are free and available anywhere you get your podcast, And that includes YouTube. Go check out Doug on every hornetsboxscore.com. There's a write-up, whether it be him, whether he needs a break because he has a baby and it's nada, whether it's David on there, go check out every hornetsboxscore.com. And you can listen to me on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to recap the Toronto Raptors game tonight.